Welcome back, my friends, to the Swiss Spa, where IT leaders share the inside with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as every week, we have my our two co-hosts, Howard Hudson and Paul Lewis. Good afternoon, guys. Hey there. So, so I got to start ranting. There's just no <laughs> Like, I can't. I can't help it. Not only, not only was today a rough day, right? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the announcement that Ray Liotta passed away. I did. Yep. 67 years old, um, passed away, uh, you know, in his sleep in the Dominican Republic recording a movie. Um, I guess that's positive, right? Passed away in your sleep. Sounds like, at least on the surface, the least painful way to go. But, um, but still kind of, you know, every time I see one of those of someone that I grew up watching, it, it always makes me think a little bit of my own mortality and realize that, uh, you know, maybe I'm not, uh, maybe I'm not as immortal as I once thought. Especially since but, you're um, close in age, is that what you're That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but what really is frustrating me now is I am currently doing this podcast on my iPad because it's 2022 and my award-winning internet provider seems to go down every single time at the same day, every single day at the same time now. For no apparent reason. I've I've literally had multiple hour outages every single day. I log into the app and it says, we're experiencing an outage in your area. It's not even an argument about whether it's me or not. We're experiencing an outage in your area. Every day. I see. I didn't realize that was a hard service to provide here post COVID, you know, kind of in the, in the, in two years of enduring COVID, you know. Right. And what I get is, yes, sorry, sir, we have an outage. Do you get any credits? No, I don't get any credit. Well, why don't Call I get them. a credit? You're not providing me service. Matter of fact, you're causing me to have to purchase additional service because yours is not, you know, yours is not reliable. Tell them they have to replace the battery every so often. Right? Shake it. Smack it. <laughs> Turn it upside down. Right? Like, I, I awful. <sighs> I just don't, you know, like, the, the lack of customer service is, I think, what frustrates me. You know, I mean, if you're working in the area and that's what's causing it, just tell me, right? If you yeah. don't have enough bandwidth, just tell me, right? right? Yeah. The lack of transparency in it is is incredibly frustrating, and it happens every day. Right, traffic peaks when all the kids come home from school. It's not at exactly the same time, which is frustrating. Uh, oh yeah, like if it was if it was at four o'clock every day or three o'clock every day, like uh, yesterday, it happened. Uh, and it always happens right in the middle of a, of a client call, which is the best part. I just suddenly disappear <laughs> from the client call. Just goodbye. That's right. I've given you all the advice I can. Right, right, right. I guess this call's over. <laughs> you know, there used to be a manhole that was getting water. At least I had the exact same problem last year. And it was that water was leaking into the manhole and something happened but i was having something very similar if it was water in denver i promised the police would be on site fema would be called we don't get any water here <laughs> right. Other than By law, so colorado just recently passed a law that said you can put out water barrels like you can capture water that comes off your roof into a water barrel sure but by law you're limited to a maximum of two two barrels two barrels <laughs> so what happens? Water is our most valuable resource. You're supposed to just let it fall off the barrel once it's full, and then go back into the reclamation, you know, the city reclamation, or the uh, or back in the water table eventually. 
Interesting. So it just was a weird like nuance to the law that I was like, I, I don't know that I quite understand that. Were, were they doing a lot of water hoarding? They'd have one barrel that somebody would cap it, put it into their garage, put another barrel down, cap it again, make a big. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I thought about it. <laughs> well, they have, so, so you put a little hole on the bottom and you put a tube that goes somewhere else. So it's only one barrel. Right, right. So it just continually continually goes to some... That's not a barrel. That's a storage tank. I'm sorry. It doesn't qualify. That's right. doesn't count towards my two-barrel limit. It's a storage tank. That's I redefined it. So thinking about you're losing internet, and the internet, it's somewhere in the sky, on a cloud somewhere <laughs> that we don't know where it goes. Um. Let's think about that. If we're thinking about providing service and in a cloud, there's different ways of providing it. How we, how should we decide which cloud or what solution to look for or to implement for? That was a hard one to bridge in fairness. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm not sure you quite made it, but let me let me continue it. So I've had some recent conversations, not just with sort of other CIOs and CTOs, but even internally in the organization about, I'm going to call it technology principles for a CIO. Like you've got some big ones, right? I want my IT culture to be like this. I have a, I'm going to empower leadership. I'm going to be 100% transparent. Like there's, there's a set of principles. One of them might be, a technology principle that has to do with cloud. Like up to now, there's been a lot of, you know, cloud first, cloud only, cloud additional, right? You've seen that kind of stuff. But I'm thinking, um, have we got to the point where we're, we've reached sort of maximum complexity when we talk about deploying to the cloud or creating new services in the cloud, or even the difference between applications and data services in the cloud, where I have to think architecturally. And do I have a binary decision right now between do I architect for cloud native services and frameworks or do I architect for cloud agnostic architectures and services? And by that, I mean this. Do I think about my application deployment or my data insight deployment as consuming a thread of PaaS services that are naturally created within each one of the clouds, effectively picking a cloud and consume them because we're presuming that they were naturally invented as an integrated suite. Or do I think about it as getting the best third party services that I need to string together in order to ensure I'm agnostic away from any one individual cloud in case not only do I want best of the best on the individual service themselves, but that I should be able to shift to another cloud if I had to. Or is it not a binary choice in any way? Um, no, no, I think it is actually. Yeah. And, and, and I think the, the nuance you added to the question, uh, I think changed what I would have said at the beginning to kind of what I would say now. Okay. Um, I, I, think, I think it's an evolutionary answer. 
right? I think when you start, you really have to pay attention to what does your business do, right? And I think that leads to your first um, cloud provider answer, right? Mm -hmm. So, so kind of to keep it easy, right? Are you a Microsoft shop? In which case, probably Azure, mm -hmm. right? Are you a software development company? In which case, probably AWS. Are you an open source company? In which case, probably GCP, mm -hmm. right? I don't see any of the other players necessarily as primary clouds, right? Um, I'm I'm cool with somebody saying, yeah, but I have this use case and it leans more towards Oracle or IBM or whatever. That's fine, right? right. But just speaking in large generalities, so I can get to answer the question. So I think you have to pick some, I think you have to pick a, pick a horse to ride. And sometimes that horse may be, I'm not, I'm not moving my whole data center to the cloud. We're going to start with this new application in the cloud. And that application requires translation services. And today, Azure's translation services are better than AWS's. I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically. I'm not saying that Azure is better than AWS. It was at one time. It goes back and forth. But that actually goes to what I'm, what I'm saying. So I, I think you have to pick kind of one horse to ride to start. Right. However, you get to that decision, whether that's driven by the kind of big, big mover and shaker kind of decision. Right. The thing I brought up first or whether it's um, I'm putting one application in the cloud. Um, I, I think you also need to look at your application design and make the applications themselves modular from your infrastructure. Right. We always thought about it as one thing. It went into my infrastructure and therefore all of it went into what, what is effectively the same place. I might put it in a data center closer to the users, but they're still my data centers and I run my data centers effectively the same way. Right. What I would say is you need to think about the capability in the cloud a whole different way and determine within the application support for that application, where does it make sense for that application to go based on a myriad of factors. Now, mm -hmm. I think it's infinitely easier when you're a smaller organization because the reality is you can likely only manage one cloud, right? I'm not, I should never take people and go, hey, you're the Azure architect and the AWS architect. Right. You're the Azure engineer and the AWS engineer, right? They are distinctive and I require a depth of knowledge enough that I need to dedicate an Azure engineer, I need to dedicate an, an, an AWS engineer or a GCP engineer or whatever engineer. And thus, I'm light, the smaller I am, the more I'm going to have to stick with a horse, with one horse, right? When I design applications though, I really need to think about where is that service the best because they're evolving at such a rapid rate. Azure might be better today, Google tomorrow, AWS, you know, later, and I really need to be able to think about not only where am I putting it today, but where might it go in the future, right? How long will I ride that one horse for that one application? I don't right. know if that. No, no, I think I, I think that makes sense. And the and the argument either way I have seen most frequently are twofold. One, most people have defined. I wouldn't even say defined, have practically implemented multi-cloud to not mean single workload, single application across clouds. But what they actually mean was I have five workloads and I have situationally determined which cloud I want to deploy to, right? So some circumstances it's gone to GCP, some circumstances it's gone to Azure, depending on 
what was appropriate for the time. If in fact you even have multi-cloud, I think it's much mm -hmm. more likely as you described, they already have an alignment with one and therefore at the very least primarily, it's one of the clouds. I think that's dimensional. Dimension so, so two. Hang on, let's, let's dig into that just a tad, just a okay. tad, because I don't want to lose that thread. Sure. Because I'm not seeing a lot of companies strategically build multi-cloud. What I'm seeing is a lot of companies go, what is our cloud strategy? Oh, wait, we're already deployed in seven clouds? Oh, well, I guess we're right. multi-cloud. Fair enough. That, right. that wasn't that wasn't a purposeful decision to be multi-cloud. Right, right. too, too often. Or or they go, we have Office 365, we have Salesforce, we have insert name of SaaS application, and we have a public cloud provider, and therefore we're multi-cloud. Right. Neither of which really fits the definition of multi-cloud, much less hybrid multi-cloud. Right. And and so I think it's important for the audience to understand that that there's a difference between we did this thing and now we're calling it a strategy and we created a strategy to properly support these things. One doesn't eliminate technical debt. The other one, the focus is to specifically eliminate technical debt. Right. So quick question. It, is that decision a technical decision or a leadership strategy decision but it's, but it's yes you, like it has elements of technical requirements in it it should have elements of technical requirements in it right when it happens organically when it happens because somebody pulled out their credit card for this cloud and somebody pulled out their credit card for this cloud and somebody pulled out their credit card for this cloud it was not strategy and it was not larger technology it was very pointed technology the person or people deploying the project, figured out how to make it work on that cloud, and therefore they made that decision for that cloud, right? So it's neither, a, it's not a strategy decision, but I think it always has to contain elements of a technology decision, even if it's a much larger strategy and FinOps decision. And, and, and I go that route because is there a real this reason why to have a multi-cloud when like the three providers that you mentioned have the capabilities for managing even geographical outages. That will be sometimes the reason why you go multi-cloud. Kind of though, right? Like we've seen massive widespread outages and, and, and they don't do a good job of managing geographical outages, right? You'll have an outage, an, an outage uh, uh, from <coughs> DNS, <coughs> DNS that, um, that takes out all of North America. As right. an example, yeah, there's not much you can do with that. Your right. secondary data center is not in Europe. Well, right, and 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 if if my multi geo was in Europe, that doesn't really provide the customer experience that I'm looking for for my applications and and my users in North America. Right, right. So so while I think I think many companies would be kind of okay with that. I think many companies also can't suffer that level of disruption, mm -hmm. right? And, and again, <coughs> sorry, go ahead. No, no. So will you consider that your multi-cloud strategy is active, like active, active, so you can run it? Or will you consider multi-cloud that you have uh, an active environment and a DR cloud or a DR scenario for a cloud? Well, I think this goes back to kind of the point that I was trying to make, which is we have to get out of managing these things as though they're monoliths, as though this was our former data center, because it's not our former data center. There is nothing stopping you from running 400 data centers in Azure in one region, right? right? 
we're, we're, we were supposed to have moved beyond hardware uh, lifecycle management and into application lifecycle management, really moving beyond that into data lifecycle management, which means we should start referring to each application individually. And and for the majority of my applications, I don't, it, it's not gonna harm me to have that kind of outage. Okay, yeah, your application went down. It's a, it's a bronze level of support at best, silver maybe. So you're just gonna have to suffer through it, right? Um, but my ERP application maybe, right? My customer facing website, my partner applications, right? Three or four kind of core applications, my CRM. I can't suffer that kind of outage. Therefore, yeah, I'm going to run that as an active active in multi-clouds. There may very well be applications I run as an active passive, more like a DR situation, right? Where 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 some something has to get involved to trigger that secondary cloud to come up. Right. Yeah. But I, but but really, I would caution, regardless of the even of the number of clouds, regardless of if you're single cloud or multi cloud, regardless of if you're hybrid or not hybrid, stop thinking about these things as monoliths and really start thinking about the holistic application itself, separate from all of the other applications, even if they have APIs. Still think of them as separate applications that are tied together by that API. It doesn't somehow then suddenly become one one application because there's an API linking the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to put a button on that, I would say, like the multi-cloud um, result is usually happenstance, not by design, for the most part. Unless you're a very large organization, right? A telco, a bank, sure, you're probably spreading the wealth. But for everybody else, it just happened to turn out that way because you consumed a bunch of applications that happened to be deployed in a variety of clouds. But that was angle one on whether I should be cloud agnostic and cloud or cloud native. The other angle was how you perceive cloud. Do you perceive cloud as IaaS or do you perceive cloud as PaaS? So if you perceive cloud as PaaS, you are more likely to want a cloud native environment, right? Because it's a cloud function, it's a, uh, it's a stateless server kind of environment. But if you consider, if you perceive cloud as IaaS, it's about containers, right? Ensuring I can manage a variety of containers across a hybrid environment. And therefore you are more apt to think cloud agnostic. So, so yes, I, I would like, if I look at it from the IaaS PaaS perspective, right? Which, which, which is really the same way that I was looking at it, talking about the specific applications. Um, if I'm just consuming infrastructure, then I'm consuming data centers, in which case I need to ensure that my SRE, right, is built in a way that it, it, it is changeable, it is fungible, so I can move from one cloud to the other, right? Ideally, I write for both clouds, even if I don't fully deploy to both clouds, so that if something happens and I need to move, I can, right? And I'm as cloud independent on my IaaS layer as is possible because I'm not leveraging anything specific to the cloud. The cloud has nuances, right? Each cloud provider has nuances in how you build those things, right? Right. But I want it to be as, as cloud neutral as possible because I may have to move at some point, right? The, the economics may change for my IaaS. But PaaS, on the other hand, I'm leveraging the service provided by a cloud provider that may or may not exist on another cloud provider and certainly will exist differently on a different cloud provider. 
And therefore, I'm likely more cloud-specific bound to that PaaS. The APIs may be different. The, the core of the service may be different. The error rate may be different, right? All kinds of things that for, for way beyond economics may be very, very different. And, there, and therefore, I think, you know, I think that's a great way to put it, right? Um, when you're designing IaaS, it needs to be as generic as possible. When you're designing PaaS, it's likely, you're, you're likely forced to be as specific as possible. And I think the more generic you get there, likely the less advantage you're going to take, you're going to get from the specific paths and, and you may be leaving, you know, money or efficiency on the table that, that you could get if you were more specific. Does that mean the origination source really is the thing that matters at that point? So if the origination source is a lift and shift from a data center to a cloud, you're thinking much more IaaS, but if you're creating a new application from scratch in the cloud, you're thinking about paths. Right. So, yeah, yeah so for if sure. I'm building an application, I'm much more to think about, well, I'm going to use all the cloud native services. But if I'm lifting and shifting, you're more apt to think to yourself, if I've moved it once, I will move it again. And therefore, it needs to be agnostic. Uh, yes. But don't make the mistake that you're looking to cloud to be someone else's data center and you're just wanting to get out of that business. You're going to lose in that case. Right. The purpose of cloud has to be two things it has to be reduction of technical debt, in which case I need to be as modernization focused as possible as transformational as possible right so i can reduce technical debt and two um, i'm looking for agility in the cloud right if all i've done is a lift and shift and that's my end state i've just lost the cloud battle okay I okay I but okay but of all the workloads that have migrated from data center to the cloud what percentage of that actually was a modernization of the application uh, 10 really a 10. Small I think 10. Exactly. Very yeah, and I think being generous with 10. Like, yeah. uh, but but at the same time, right? Go go to those or, those large organizations that you said are likely taking advantage of multiple clouds. Which yeah. cloud version are they on for themselves? Seven? Right. Like Verizon's not on not on Verizon's cloud first project V1. They're on Verizon's cloud rebuild number six. <laughs> right. As is every major major company. That's not a that's not a call out against Verizon, right? Every right. Fortune 500 company, Fortune 100 company is on not version one of their cloud, right? And and the mistake they made was just that. The mistake they made was they just did a lift and shift so they could say they're a cloud company. Well, that's that's lipstick on a pig. Mm -hmm. How about we don't do that? How about we take advantage of every possible and and it's okay to go. I have to get the stuff in the cloud for insert reason. But it can't be the end state. The end state right. cannot just be a lift and shift, right? And and your strategy from day one has to be, okay, we are modernizing, which doesn't necessarily mean we rebuild every application, but it does mean we start looking at how are we deploying? Are we leveraging cloud scale? Are we leveraging the places where cloud economics work? And are we building that into our design, mm -hmm. right? And as we take applications and start to move them, how much SRE are we doing? How much automation are we doing? How much DevOps are we doing, right? How much application independence are we looking at, right? Are we looking at even small pieces? Are we looking at leveraging paths versus apps versus IS, sorry, right? Let, like, Let me offer another dimension and, and wonder aloud whether you have a different opinion. So do you have a different opinion on native versus agnostic when it comes from application workloads versus analytical workloads. Do you perceive those as different enough that you'd think native versus agnostic? 
so it depends. Yes, and it depends would be the answer, right? Um, I think when we get into analytics, it's it's actually where I think the differences become even larger, mm -hmm. right? Um, translation services are a really good example. Intent management services are a really good example, right? When we get into AI and ML um, specific PaaS offerings, the differences can become quite enormous, right? Look at the cost of GPUs, right? Right, which is now we're back to IaaS, but but still. Right. Um, I do think, and those are those are predominantly data fo data focused workloads. Um, that I think is really where the 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 huge majority of difference is going to you know you're going to see, and really where the decision framework starts to really play in. And, and I think that's also why we're seeing a lot more cloud agnostic storage vendors show up. Right, mm -hmm. storage vendors where you're hosting your data on their infrastructure, which is peered to Amazon and Google uh, and Azure equally, and you're not paying the ingress and egress fees for keeping your data on their storage, and yet you're, you're utilizing the compute contained in whichever cloud makes the most sense. Because, because even they're seeing the kind of um, fast-moving, software-first, data-first organizations are likely going to find workloads where they have to take advantage of a piece of PaaS that does that 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 is leading, but it's only leading from one of the three top vendors or somebody they haven't even used yet, haven't even thought of yet, and giving them that flexibility um, is a serious, you know, it's a serious market play. There, there, there are companies investing, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars into that particular play and seeing success. Mm -hmm. Well, that was healthy. So let me, let, 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 let me then let me throw a monkey wrench in there because <laughs> look looking, looking at that I keep I keep hearing and thinking will a company that have a large number of apps have a challenge in making that decision versus someone that probably have leveraged some past services while they were having their data center, meaning they had already invested in, in let's say, G, uh, G Suite or Office 365. So they started moving those, not hosting it anymore. Will that transition be easier for um, making that? Yeah, I mean, I think you've got, I think you've got kind of three different push pulls, right? Um, I think you've got a whole host of companies, regardless of their size, that that have been embracing SaaS for let's say five years, likely more, but but let's say a minimum of five years, right? Um, they've got O365, they've got Salesforce in the cloud, they've got insert name of cloud app, and when they're making a decision about a new tool to bring on, they look first and say, is there a SaaS tool that will accomplish this? Right? Like they, that's kind of how their cloud first works. They start with SaaS just right away. Right. Um, then you have companies that haven't done any of that and are now looking at moving to the cloud. I think the difference in philosophy, in philosophy between the two is, is going to speak volumes in how they execute that migration. Right now, I think, I think you also have companies that, that effectively said, we don't trust our infrastructure team and therefore SaaS is the only option. And when those companies move to the cloud, they're not like companies that adopted SaaS, they're like companies that never adopted SaaS because they didn't modernize their thinking within their IT departments. They just went, not my not my monkeys, not my circus, go buy SaaS. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. So they didn't really change hearts and minds and start thinking about how the cloud operates. And now they're way behind the eight ball. Um, and then I think you have the kind of the kind of let's let's we'll call that the like x axis is how how much has your organization embraced non public cloud providers in cloud. Um, and then I think your y axis is just how large is your organization's IT footprint. Right. You could call it number of applications to keep it simple because it's probably better than dollars as a as a as a metric, right? And I think you're I think you know if you if you go SaaS embrace SaaS here and infrastructure here, you know, no embrace of SaaS here, and then zero applications to twenty five thousand applications, you'll see you know the staggering line. And of course, this quarter this quadrant here, by far the easiest to move. I have few applications and I embrace SaaS by right. far the easiest to me. And and then and then I would also say, come on, it's like every other elephant. One bite at a time. Yeah. There's certainly still a healthy push and pull between SaaS, PaaS, and IaaS, right? It all depends on in many ways who's making the decision, right? Businesses making the decision, they're gonna make a SaaS call. If application developments making a decision, they're going to make a pass call. If IT is making a decision, they're going to make an IS call. It's not entirely true, but let's say that that is, you know, the norm. And, and it still is based on who has the power at the particular time or how complex the problem is. So if, if you've never done analytical platforms before, it's probably not in the hands of the business. It's probably in the hands of IT. And therefore, you're much more likely to think about it as a series of infrastructure services. Yeah, I would say I would say you also have the um, within kind of that circular thought, you also have the evolution of things, right? And part of that evolution might be you started with SaaS, uh, found that your SaaS provider had crappy API integration, wasn't the obviously crappy wasn't the word I was going to use, but but we're trying to keep this this uh, PG thirteen or or better, um, right? And so so you know within the context of that, you might you might then go, yeah, they don't have APIs, and now we want to start taking advantage of that data, right? Or they have wicked bad charges for the APIs or whatever. Now we have to look at is there a PaaS or IaaS version of that or another SaaS version of that, right? So I, I think the other thing you need to try to avoid is. Um, you know, I always say you should have a policy that you review every application on a two-year cycle. I, I don't care that it's two years, but there needs to be a cycle, right? Where you challenge, is this doing what we set out to do? Is this, is this, is what we set out to do the same thing we're, we're trying to do today? And is this application platform, whatever, whatever, meeting our needs? And it needs to be a really specific, really cyclical thing where, where every, you know, Every application gets the same lens. Every application gets the same attention, right? Um, to, to do just that, right? Are we leveraging the data contained with that application? Probably should be really high on the list of questions, right? Do we want to leverage the data contained within that application, right? Can we leverage the data? Blah, 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 right? So. And did you use the term wicked bad because we spent last week in Boston? I like wicked bad. <laughs> Wicked Bad is one of my favorites. <laughs> Always has been. But yes, yes, being a Boston last definitely increased my use of Wicked Bad. I did enjoy my clam chowder, my 
my world scrod and my Boston cream pie. That was a that was a decent yeah. dinner. Yeah, that was actually the best Boston cream pie I had. I, I got served Boston cream pie like three times that week, and that was yep. the best one I'd had. Nice. Very good. Carlos? Well, my friends, it's interesting to listen to both of you, how you decide um, when to use one cloud or the other one, how to build a strategy. And I think that that's the part that a lot of times uh, a company doesn't take a methodical approach to thinking where to move. They, like you said, Howard, they just take a credit card, it works in there, let's move forward. And then they find the crappy APIs that then they don't work for all this stuff. But take the time, listen to this podcast, share it with your team, share it with your leaders within the company, because it's really important to be strat, to use strategy first before you get your credit card out. My friends, we'll see you on our next episode.